Good afternoon again, everyone. It's going to be a good day in the house. Okay, so before we get started, we've been going through this thing for the one. So if you haven't already, um, you can take this connection card. And we are believing God this month for the one. So if you would write the name, if you haven't already, on up here where it says prayer requests, and then down here, testimony, just the first name of someone that you are praying for, that you are lifting up, that you're going to see God do some amazing things in their life. And then what we want you to do is just come and lay this testimony part. You're going to have to rip it in half. Sorry, I don't have scissors. So, <laughs> But y'all are strong in the Lord. Amen. <laughs> so just come and rip it in half. Leave the testimony here as an act of faith. And then just take the top, the prayer request, just as a reminder to pray for that one person for this month. Amen? All right. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to jump into this word today. Father, we do thank you for today. We thank you for being with us. We thank you for your presence amongst us, even now. What a sweet time of worship in your presence today. And I ask that you would use this word to speak to our hearts, to stir us up, to challenge us, to press into everything that you have for us. Thank you that your word does not return void. I thank you that it is powerful, that it is effective. I thank you that you hear our prayers, you hear our cries, you receive our worship today. Move in our hearts, move in our midst. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, as you know, we've been going through this series on evangelism. We started off by going through and, like I said, challenging ourselves by standing in the gap and believing for the one. And then Rochelle followed that up last week with a powerful word about taking a stand for God in the midst of the world. I believe as we read this scripture We have no choice but to take a balanced approach with this. Everything good that God does for us cannot end with us. It has to be given away. It has to be sown into others and shared. We are blessed so that we can be a blessing. We are brought into relationship with Jesus so that we can help others find that relationship for themselves. We are healed so that we can testify to what God has done and give others the faith that God can work in their lives too. We are blessed to see so that we can help others see the light and come and glorify God for themselves. Now, I will never downplay the power of words. Words have tremendous weight and power. And depending on the authority of the person speaking, words can have even greater weight and power. Need proof? God created the universe with his very words. He literally spoke it into existence. The power of words spoken by someone with authority have weight and power. Proverbs 18, 21 says explicitly, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it and indulge it will eat its fruit and bear the consequences of their words. This isn't in here, but I was feeling earlier this week about that very thing, about the importance of the words and how we need to watch our mouths. I I believe this is a time where 
Our words cannot just be empty. They need to be counted. They need to be careful. They need to be chosen for what God is wanting to do. We need to speak life in faith over people and circumstances. It's easy, right, when something's bad to just report what you see in the natural, right? Hey, this is bad. I don't like it. It's not comfortable. When are you going to move it, right? But it takes faith to see in the spirit to what God wants to do to change it. And we need to speak those things only into existence. Now, we talked about in the first week about being a witness to what God has done in your life, that you have a story to tell. And there's power in that. Why? Because you are testifying to the truth of what God has done for you. You are being a faithful witness and releasing the truth about the good news to you personally. It's firsthand. Now, no one can really argue with someone who has had a firsthand eyewitness encounter with the living God. All their theories collapse like a house of cards when the wind of the truth blows through. Part of evangelism is being a faithful witness when you're called to the stand. Just like in a courtroom, you provide expert testimony that's included with evidence so that other people can decide and make just decisions. It's not the job of the witness to deliberate or to judge. It's to testify to the truth. I have to begin with this preface today since I'm not primarily talking about words, but the anointing and the power behind them. I want us to go up higher. I want us to go deeper today. I believe the more we seek after God and look at things from a supernatural perspective first, aren't we all actually spirit in a human body, right? A lot of times we tend to think of things, you know, in the human sense, but we're actually a spirit that just lives in a temporary body. It's the spirit that will live forever. Other natural things will start to fall into place as we see God in this way first. So today, we're going to dive into how the Lord can use what we'll call prophetic evangelism to reach the lost and to draw people to himself. Now, what do I mean when I say prophetic evangelism? Basically, it's using Holy Spirit-inspired gifts as a means to minister and draw people to Jesus. So it's evangelizing, but using things like prophetic words, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, dreams, visions, and dream interpretations. We're not just talking to people intellectually anymore. We are letting God speak through us to bypass and break through many of the walls that people have built up and to speak directly to the heart and the spirit of a person. Now, obviously, this is much more powerful and effective as opposed to just having nice words. After all, we're supposed to have demonstrations of the spirit's power. That's what makes us different from other people in the world. This should also help take some of the edge off, thinking we have to do everything on our own and in our own strength, okay? It's actually the Holy Spirit operating through you to speak these truths to people. I just love what 
John Paul Jackson said about prophetic evangelism. He said, we are standing on the threshold of a new spiritual awakening. God is getting ready to unleash a powerful wave of prophetic evangelism larger than any of us has ever dreamed. And with it will come a harvest that is unprecedented in church history. There is a great harvest coming. And I believe we're about to see the first fruits of that harvest come in this fall as we have been committed to praying for the one, to take a stand and to be a godly example for the world to look at and to see Jesus in us. As we pray to the Lord and ask him to use us with these different tools like prophetic evangelism, we will see people reached and powerfully persuaded to the truth. So point number one today, if you're taking notes, prophecy, words of knowledge, and words of wisdom. You might recall from earlier this year, we did a series called The Difference, and we went through the nine gifts of the Spirit. But what we're going to do here today is explore how we can use some of these gifts for the purpose of reaching out to others through evangelism. Specifically, we're going to explore prophecy, words of knowledge, and words of wisdom. So real quick, just so we're on the same page, if you weren't here, and just for clarity's sake, let's just define these real quick. When I say prophecy, this is speaking inspired by the Holy Spirit, which reveals what God thinks or what will happen in the future that builds people up. Words of knowledge are facts or information about someone's past or present revealed by the Holy Spirit that that person could not possibly otherwise know that demonstrates that God knows them and loves them. And then words of wisdom will say that is applying God's wisdom to a situation to bring about solutions that show God is sovereign and works all things together for good. All right, so now that we're on the same page, we know from Paul's letter to the Corinthians that prophecy can be a very effective tool at cutting to the heart of the matter and to reach unbelievers. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 24 through 25. But if all of you are prophesying and unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your meeting, they will be convicted of sin and judged by what you say. As they listen, their secret thoughts will be exposed and they will fall to their knees and worship God, declaring God is truly here among you. One of the most effective times when a word of knowledge was used related to evangelism was when Jesus himself was actually speaking with a woman at the well in John chapter 4. You'll first notice as we go through some of the verses in this passage, this is a divine appointment. Jesus is already there sitting at the well. He's there waiting for this dear woman to come. Jesus is there at the right place. He's there at the right time waiting for her to show up. They make some small talk and they discuss water and different things for a while. But then Jesus starts to unpack a word of knowledge that will not just unlock her, but is actually a key 
to the very city. We're going to pick up in John chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. And Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Now, that would be something, right? To meet someone right off the street, you're having a conversation, and all of a sudden they start basically reading your mail and everything that you ever did, right? Well, that's exactly what happened in verse 28 through 30. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. And then picking up in verse 39 through 41, the result Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman said, he told me everything I ever did. And when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days for many more to hear his message and believe. You see, when you are allowing the spirit to speak through you, he can give you just the right word at the right time that someone needs to hear so that they will believe and then go tell other people, come and see this man who is a prophet of God. In this case, the Messiah himself. Jesus used a word of knowledge to show God knows all the details of our life, that he saw her and that he cared. See, this wasn't, this wasn't condemning her. This was, this was just speaking truth in love to this woman. The word broke through ethnic walls. You see, Jews didn't associate with Samaritans at this time, but that didn't stop Jesus. He had an appointment. The word broke through religious walls. You see, Jews and Samaritans had very different views about God and how to worship him. And that's the power of evangelizing and reaching people empowered by the Holy Spirit and not in our own strength with our own words. We can have breakthrough. We need some people who've been renewing their minds with the truth of God's word, who have hidden God's word in their hearts, who are ready to not just speak nice words, but spirit-inspired words, spirit-empowered words, words in season, people who are vessels that God can use to speak through us, to speak life into other people. We need to be people who will stand up and pray prophetic prayers, calling things that are not as though they were, who will prophesy life over the one. This might not even be person to person. This might be in our prayer closet. They may never hear some of these words, but we are speaking inspired by the spirit and prophesying life over them. We will break off the spiritual blinders from the one to remove darkness from the one in the name of Jesus. Words that will be spoken in in faith, that will shift things, that will move things around in people's lives. God's word does not return void. Every demonic hindrance, every demonic spirit must bow its knee at the name of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. Point number two, dreams, visions, and dream interpretations. I personally believe one of the most powerful ways that God can use to reach people is through dreams and visions. 
It's powerful because God is able to speak directly to a person with no distractions. There's no interruptions. And most importantly, there's no mental arguments. I know I've been stubborn before and God's been trying to get a hold of me and tell me something. And I'm like, oh no, that's, that's not God. That's something else. And, and then it's like, you know, after a while, he's like, hello, time for a dream. <laughs> it's also powerful and that the message can be very vivid and can actually be seared into our minds and may quite an impression. Since much of dreams are symbolic, like parables or stories that have a deeper meaning, it can also make people long to seek after the interpretation. It can propel people on a journey to discover not just the meaning of the dream, but most importantly, the giver of the dream. Look at Job chapter 33, verses 14 through 16. For God speaks again and again, though people do not recognize it. He speaks in dreams, in visions of the night, when deep sleep falls on people as they lie in their beds. He whispers in their ears and terrifies them with warnings. See, God is always speaking. Contrary to what some theologians might claim, God did not stop speaking when the Bible was completed. He did not one day decide, you know what? I'm not going to be a personal loving God anymore. I mean, think about it. How could you have a personal relationship with someone that would never talk to you? You couldn't. But God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he spoke in the beginning, if he spoke all throughout scripture, he still speaks today and will continue to speak to his people. He is always speaking, although, as I said, we don't always recognize it right away. Thank God for his patience. God speaks in many different ways and isn't limited by anything. He can, of course, speak through the scriptures, of course, But if you're dealing with unbelievers, they don't believe in God and probably aren't going to go take the trouble to go through a book of something they don't believe in on their own. Other people have been so hurt by religion and religious people that if we go around just throwing little scripture bombs at them, that's probably not going to be super effective on them as well. But see, God can still speak through people. He can send people to speak something very specific and personal to them that will touch their heart at just the right time. Sometimes people miss the fact that it's God, that he's the one trying to speak to them to get their attention. We know God can speak through nature since all creation declares the glory of God. Yet still, sometimes people miss the fact that all the beauty and all the majesty in creation was not a fluke accident, but a brilliant creative design that points to a loving creator. You can see is true, and that some of the most beautiful natural places in America are also some of the least Christian places in America. Now, God can use all these different means of reaching and getting a hold of someone's attention to try to woo them to himself. But when these methods fail, he can cut straight to the soul of a person with a dream or vision. Now, everyone dreams. Now, you may not remember every dream you ever had or every detail, 
but you are dreaming and God is speaking to you. We know from scripture, God uses dreams very effectively to reach unbelievers to reveal himself to them. He knows exactly what each person needs and what would get each person's attention. What would grip someone so much that they just had to know what it means and would stop at nothing to find it out. Now he's got their attention. Let's look at the life of Joseph. Joseph was a great dreamer. He was full of hopes and dreams, but he was also full of God and could understand and help other people interpret what their dreams meant as well. And God used Joseph's gift of dream interpretation to set up a divine appointment with Pharaoh, the most powerful ruler at the time. Now, Pharaoh tried all the typical occult sources to try to figure out what his dream meant. But of course, none of his magicians, astrologers, or occultists could tell him what it means. See, this is also the beauty of when God gives you a dream. If God gives you a dream to an unbeliever, then the unbeliever needs to find a believer who has the spirit of God that can help them interpret what it means. Let's pick up in Genesis chapter 41, verses 15 through 16. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have dreamed a dream and there is no one who can interpret it. And I have heard it said, you can understand a dream and interpret it. And look what Joseph says. It's not in me to interpret the dream. God, not I, will give Pharaoh a favorable answer through me. And there it is. God will give the answer through you. Joseph gives God all the credit before he even hears the dream. And he's so confident in his God that he assures Pharaoh, the Lord will give him the answer is marked by humility and a total trust and confidence in God. This is what we need. We must die to ourselves. When we die to our right to get the credit and the glory, when we don't trust in ourselves or our own understanding, then God can move in us in powerful ways to reach people. Pharaoh tells the dreams to Joseph, and he's not only able to give the king of Egypt the interpretation, but also the application and the timing of when all these things would take place through the wisdom of God. And look at the result, picking back up in verse 38. So Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this, a man equal to Joseph in whom is the divine spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since your God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and clear headed and wise as you are. You shall have charge over my house and all my people shall be governed according to your word and pay respect to you with reverent submission and obedience. Only in matters of the throne will I be greater than you in Egypt. And he said, see, I have set you in charge over all the land of Egypt. Now, that's a pretty powerful example of someone using the gift of interpreting dreams to reach an unbeliever and point them to God. And you'll notice he recognizes it's the spirit of God in you. Again, we see this in the life of Daniel, where 
someone is given understanding of dreams and visions and has a divine appointment with the most powerful ruler at the time, King Nebuchadnezzar. The king was so torn up about this dream, he commanded his wise men, tell me the dream and the interpretation or I will tear you limb from limb. Of of course, all these occultic wise men couldn't tell the king the dream. I mean, no one could possibly do that. But Daniel asked for just a little time so that he could pray and appeal to his God. But Daniel didn't just go it alone. He went with his three friends whom Rochelle talked about the other week. And they all got together and pressed in and prayed. And I love what Daniel 2.19 says. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. And Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Just as God answered Daniel, as he and his friends were crying out in their time of need for wisdom and understanding, God wants to respond to us and give us wisdom and understanding to help other people find what God has been speaking and revealing to them in their dreams. I also love how just like Joseph, Daniel gives all the credit and glory to God up front, right to the king's face before he gives him the interpretation. Daniel 2, 27 to 28. Daniel said to the king, regarding the mystery about which the king has inquired, neither the wise men, enchanters, magicians, nor astrologers are able to answer the king, but there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will take place in the latter days. You see, in honor and humility, we get to point people back to God. God wants to reach people and reveal himself to them, and he wants to use us to help them figure out what he's been saying. That there is a God in heaven, that he is real, that he knows them, and that he loves them deeply enough to speak to them. Similarly, the king recognized that it was God who was operating powerfully through Daniel and praised God as a result. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell face down and paid respect to Daniel as a great prophet of the highest God and gave orders for an offering and fragrant incense be presented to him in honor of his God. And he said, most certainly your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries since you have been able to reveal this mystery. You see, when we allow God to use us to help people discern what God is speaking to them in dreams, it's a powerful way to witness the power and wisdom of the one true God. We need to pray and ask that God would give these people we are believing and praying for powerful dreams and that they would reach out and seek help with the interpretations. I love how there are teams of people who are trained and sent out from different churches and ministries who are prepared to listen to people's dreams and then through the Holy Spirit give people the interpretation to point people back to God. When John Paul Jackson was alive, he did a lot of training through his ministry to send out teams. Uh, Doug Addison has continued doing that, going out to these public places like uh, Starbucks, 
uh, football games, even to the Olympics, like big events, setting up booths and interpreting dreams for people. Sometimes people have been carrying around a dream for years, not knowing what in the world it means and waiting for someone who could possibly help them to understand. They've seen people saved, healed, delivered, set free right there in the spot. Now, I personally love dreams and helping people find the interpretation. I know how this can help and encourage people in the Lord who already believe. So imagine how it would feel to someone who doesn't believe to finally realize, oh my goodness, there is a God in heaven. He is real and he's speaking to me right now. They will recognize the spirit of God in us and acknowledge and worship him. So let's address visions. Visions are also very powerful in regard to reaching people who are lost and convincing them of the truth. The Lord used two visions to get a hold of and convert Saul of Tarsus into the apostle for the Lord Jesus Christ. God gave Saul a vision of a man named Ananias, and he gave him a vision showing how God would bring them together to fulfill God's plan. We're going to pick up in Acts 9, verses 10 through 19. Now, there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. Now, isn't that amazing, right? He gives them directions. He gives them names, where he's from. Very clear. He is praying to me right now. And I have shown him in a vision, a man named Ananias coming and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he's authorized by the priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go. For Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles, to kings, as well as the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and he found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. You see, God gave two men visions of the other person and the divine appointment he had made for them to meet. Now, wouldn't that be something if he did that same thing for you? Again, we see God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He did it then. He can still do it today. He can show you who you need to meet. He can show you what to say, what to pray, and he can even prepare the other person's heart with the same thing so they are ready and prepared to receive it. God showed Paul in a vision where to go, where the people would be receptive to the gospel. There was a man in Macedonia saying, come over here. I think that's a much more effective way to share the good news instead of just 
you know, shotgun approaches, blasting everywhere. Just, hey, Lord, let me pray. What are you doing? Oh, Macedonia, let's go there. They're ready to receive you right now. Much more effective way to do things. And isn't that what Jesus said? He only did what he saw the Father doing. So let's be sensitive to who God is highlighting to us. That he is bringing to our attention, that he's putting on our radars. He's been preparing people for us to meet and to speak with and to focus. So let's focus on that. Visions are clear. They are directive. They have the power to change the trajectory of people's lives. We need fresh vision and we need to pray for the scales to fall off people's eyes. I love how Doug Addison summarizes the importance and effectiveness of prophetic evangelism in his book, Prophecy, Dreams, and Evangelism. He said, God is speaking to people all the time through circumstances and life events, waiting for us to encounter people and tell them more about what God is saying to them. You see, God has already prophesied that he will pour out his spirit on all flesh in Joel 2.28. It says, it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Notice in that passage, it says all flesh. Not some, not a few. It says all. You know what the word all means in the Hebrew? All. (laughs) We need to stand on this word and by faith apply it to the one we've been praying and believing God to reach. That he will pour out his spirit on all flesh and they will dream dreams. I just want to pray even right now for those people that we have been praying and believing for. God, you said that you would pour out your spirit on all flesh. You said that you would give prophecy, dreams, and vision. So we ask now in the name of Jesus that you would pour out your spirit on these precious people you've put on our hearts to pray and stand in the gap for. We pray you would send prophetic words to them. They would speak to their hearts so clearly. That would break down every wall and every hindrance. Thank you for even giving us words to speak to them in season. We ask that you would send them dreams and visions now. That you would visit them in their sleep. That you would send them direction dreams. That you would send them destiny dreams, that you would send them warning dreams. We ask that you would give them visions. Let them see you clearly. Let them see their need for you. Let them see a glimpse of their future with you. Let them seek you. Let them seek wisdom from your servants who can help and point them back to you. Let us and others have divine interpretation so that we can assist them when they come. Let us have divine encounters. Let us have dreams and visions, God, of who you are leading us to speak to that we have divine appointments with as well. Draw these people to yourself even right now. Draw them with your kindness. Woo them with your love. Show yourself real to them right now. In Jesus' name, amen.